Well, as Pastor Joel said earlier, it's good to see some of our, some of our church here live in, in front of me. Uh, we welcome you to the service live. We welcome you who are online watching us, wherever you're watching us from. Uh, thank you for, for being here with us today. I, I love what Megan talked about in the early part of the service. Um, and, and if you don't, if you haven't taken time to watch the children's ministry, uh, there I am. I'm, I'm, I'm now lit up. The glory is now upon me. Uh, if you haven't taken time to watch the, the earlier part, I, whether you have kids or not, I really recommend that you tune in 15 minutes earlier and listen to the, the message that she usually has for our kids. And today Megan was talking about uh, Joshua and the, the stones of, of memory. And it was interesting that she brought that up. We hadn't talked about it before. But in my Bible study, I have a Bible study every Friday with a, a group of people by Zoom. And we're in Joshua. We're going through the Bible and we're just beginning Joshua. And Joshua and the children of Israel are just crossing the Jordan River, come to the other side. And the first thing they do, they're moving into new territory. They're new, moving into a new season with a new generation. And I thought, well, this is just like us as a church. As we're moving into a new season of ministry, everything's changed. Nothing will be the same. Even with COVID, nothing will be the same. But nothing will be the same in this new season. And the first thing that Joshua did was he had the priests carry those 12 stones as memories of the past, and he set them up as a pillar both outside the Jordan and inside the Jordan as memories, looking back in the past. Memories, and, and we need to teach our children, this is where we came from, this is my testimony. This is how our family became a Christian family. This is when we started following Jesus, and here's why we follow Jesus today. The memories are a very important part of leading us into the future. Susan and I have talked about this a lot in this last 15, 16 months uh, during this uh, exceptional season of COVID. Both, both of us, Susan and I, grew up in church. Her mom and dad were saved just uh, as she was born. They were saved. They are part of the Rupert Foursquare Church, and I was part of the, uh, the, the Hastings Foursquare Church, which Pastor West and Gladys pastored later on. So for all of our lives, Sunday morning was church. And, and church really began on Saturday night. Uh, my mom and dad would uh, prepare us. Uh, the girls always had their hair. We had three, three sisters, and they all had, had their hair in curlers. And it, it's church tomorrow. And we would shine our shoes. It's church tomorrow. And we'd get to bed early. It's church tomorrow. And then dad would wake us up. We'd have uh, breakfast together. And then we all would go to church. Every, for, for 74 years of my life, it's church tomorrow. It's church now. And when I was 16 years old, I, I began in ministry. I, I remember specifically, I had a class of uh, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, grade two and three. And that was my class that I was going to teach. And, and from that date of 16 all the way through, those kids are now retired, they're 65 years old now, and they're retired, but that was the beginning of ministry. For Susan, it was even earlier. Uh, she went to another church not far from ours, Foursquare Church, and um, it was a small church, and there's no pianist that day. So the pastor, he said, uh, Susan, you're on. She was 11 years old, and she was the church pianist from 11 years old on, and he would say, what can you play? And she would say, I can play Victory in Jesus, so they'd sing Victory in Jesus. Whatever she could play, they would sing. 
And she started at 11 years old and has been serving in the church ever since. And as I said earlier, Kelly and Christy were seven and six years old when they began in their, in their ministry. So it's been years and years and years of serving and getting up early on Sunday morning, getting ready. We often would say, what would it be like, like our neighbors, to sit home and have pancakes on Sunday morning? What would it be like not to have to go to church every morning? And then we suddenly were given this gift of staying home and watching church on TV. We had those back in the year ago, we pre-recorded the services. We'd stay home and have pancakes. And I discovered that I miss church. I miss I missed being here. And I was getting fat from the pancakes. And I, I, I was wanting to get back to church again. So we've been back live for uh, several months now. And, and I know that you're feeling the same way. I just want to get back to church again. There's something about being together as the body of Christ and seeing each other face to face. Well, now it's half face because you've got a mask on, but almost seeing each other face to face and being together again. So it's been a long time. We had our, our national Foursquare convention by Zoom <laughs> last week. It was really good to see all the church family from across Canada. And Pastor Wes and Gladys were uh, honored. They were the only ones, the only pastors in our, in our group that had been ministering for 60 years. 60 years since they graduated from Bible College, Life Bible College and have been working in the ministry, still serving uh, all over the place, serving in ministry. It's just, it's just awesome. For me, it was my 50th. I graduated from Bible College uh, in 1971. Susan and I had been married for a couple of years. She was now expecting Kelly at that time. And I graduated in June 1971, 50 years ago. It was, uh, when it was 45 years ago that uh, we were serving uh, in the Coquitlam Church, this church that was up on Como Lake at that time. And I had a vision. I was lying in bed. This was more of a, a vision than a dream because I was wide awake. And the Lord showed me a picture of a lady having a baby. And I had never seen that before because our girls, our girls were born and men weren't allowed to go in. Thank God for that. Men weren't allowed to go in to see the babies being born. We stood outside and read a book while our wives were suffering. Uh, but So I'd never seen a lady having a baby, but I saw this clear picture of a lady having a baby. And God spoke very real words to me, not, not audible words, but words that he put into my mind, distinct words. And he said, I want you, it's now time. It's now time. I, I was now 30 years old. It was a transition time. It's now time for you to move to Port Coquitlam and to plant a church. It won't be gathering Christians together. I don't want you to gather Christians together. It'll be new birth. I want you to win your neighbors to Jesus. And so we did. We moved in 1977. That was 76. 1977, uh, July 1st, we moved to Port Coquitlam uh, from where we lived in Coquitlam. And I began praying for our neighborhood. And I prayed for nine months. I've told this story many times before. I prayed for nine months. And almost to the day, I think it was a day before nine months, our first neighbor came over, Chinese girl, significant that it was a Chinese girl, I think the only Chinese couple that lived in our neighborhood at that time, and she knocked on the door at 9.30, the kids were in school, and Susan was there at home, and uh, Susan said, Betty, hi, and she invited Betty in, and Betty just started to cry, and, and she, within half an hour, received Jesus Christ as her Savior, and then another neighbor, and then another neighbor, and another neighbor. 
So by the time we got to May 27th, Pastor Joel's birthday, May 27th, uh, May 27th, 1979, uh, we were ready. We had, I, I think that first Sunday, we had 37 people. Besides our family, there was 33 of us, just about the size of the congregation today. And uh, they were all new believers. Everybody was a new believer. They didn't know any songs. They didn't know how to worship. They didn't know how to give. Uh, so we just had very simple services. Susan would lead some very simple choruses on the piano. We met at Lincoln Elementary School, where BC Christian Academy is today. And uh, from that, 37 people. The Sunday before that, we had had our dedication Sunday, and Pastor Wes spoke on May 20th, 1979. And I'm going to have Pastor Wes later on after the service today come and pray for us for this new season of, of, our, of our ministry. But that's, that's the, the time past, the history that we have. And it's important to know where we came from and, and now be, be prepared to move into our future like Joshua led the children of Israel. Well, I'd like you to take your, um, your notes that you have and get your Bibles ready. And we're going to begin. And I'm going to talk to you about Jesus, the, our, our gardener. Let me read you a, a poem. It's not really a poem. It's I, I wrote this some time ago. It was for a funeral that I, I did. And, and I, I took Psalm 23. The couple that I was ministering to that had lost their husband, they were very much into the garden. And so I, I rewrote Psalm 23 to, rather than the Lord is my shepherd, the Lord is my gardener. I think we can relate more to gardens than we can to sheep. So I, I, I rewrote the, the psalm, and here's what it it is, with my apologies to King David. Um, the Lord is my gardener. I'm okay with that. He helps me make my garden healthy and green. He supplies all the water I need. He keeps the weeds from taking over. He oversees every season and keeps the garden maintained. Even when we get into winter seasons and it looks like everything is dead, the Lord is still there watching over my garden. He loves me and keeps me calm during those long, dark, cold days. Ultimately, he wants to grow a fruitful garden. So he keeps the balance of nutrients and water and care. In the spring, there will be new hope. In the summer, the flowers will blossom again. The Lord loves to be the gardener of my life. He wants nothing but good for me. And my garden will continue to flourish forever because he will always, always be there. So my, uh, my big idea today is we're going to talk about the Lord, our gardener. Here's the big idea. Northside Church has completed six, seven-year periods. Um, I, I always plan, I've said this many times before, I, I plan my life in seven-year seasons. And there, there's reasons for that. I think it's biblically, uh, the foundation is laid in the Bible, these seven-year seasons, and certainly in gardens, uh, there were seven-year seasons. They had to rotate their crops in seven years, let the ground life fallow in the seventh year. So in 42 years, we have completed six seven-year seasons. And now we move into the seventh seven-year from this period now to 49 years. And then if we follow the Bible pattern, in 50 years, it'll be the year of Jubilee. But So this is a, this is a, a, a season of transition, uh, we, our staff is young and, and alive with fresh ideas. It's a new, new staff that we have. It's wonderful to, to listen to them. Uh, sometime in this season, I'll be retiring and, and moving on and passing the torch on. 
And, and so this is a brand new season, and I really think of Joshua crossing the Jordan River. The, the old generation had died, and now he's leading the new generation into the destiny. And these became the most fruitful years up until David's time. This became the most fruitful years in Israel's history under Joshua's leadership. So that's the new season that we're, we're entering in now in the seventh season. And so the question I ask, I know Pastor Joel and I have talked about this and our staff has talked about this. What, what is God saying to us in this new season? What's God saying to us now as individuals, as fathers, mothers, as churches, as church leaders, department leaders? What's God saying to us now in this new season? So I thought it would be really appropriate for this Sunday to have a time of fruit inspection. We're going to look at the fruit of our own personal lives. We're looking at the fruit of Northside Church as we reopen again. It's a wonderful time. How's the, how's the health of the trees going? So let's start with Jeremiah chapter 17. This was a very dark time in, in Israel's history. Uh, the northern tribes had been taken captive, but God had not forgotten them. It's like the song we sang, God doesn't forget us in the difficult times. And Jeremiah wrote this encouraging uh, passage under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, or we could say, blessed is the church who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. <laughs> he is my, my ground, I'm, I'm firm on him. He or she, the church, is like a tree planted by the water. The water, of course, is the picture of the Holy Spirit's life-giving flow in our lives. It sends out his roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. It is not anxious in a year of drought. It is not anxious in a year of COVID. God's not caught off guard by this year. He's not anxious in a year of drought when the heat comes. For it does not cease to bear fruit. It does not cease to bear fruit. So we're going to talk about fruitfulness. What is fruitfulness? How do we bear fruit? What's fruitfulness to you? I brought three pieces of fruit. I have a tomato, beautiful big red tomato. I have an apple. And I have a banana. Each one of these three pieces of fruit are completely different. So for a banana tree, fruitfulness is to produce a banana. For a tomato plant, fruitfulness is to produce healthy tomatoes. And for an apple tree, fruitfulness is to produce apples. All, all three are different. All three are nourishing. All three have purpose. So each one of us has individual purposes based on our gifts, based on our talents, based on our life experiences, where God has placed us, when God has placed us in this place. So we're all different like these pieces of fruit are. I, I mentioned to Megan earlier um, the, the little book I've written, and, and I really recommend this book. And I, Again, I don't make any money. Anybody that comes into the church on books goes to missions. So um, this book called Seven Colors is How Do You Find Your Purpose? Because one day, God, you're going to stand before God, as all of us are, and we're going to be asked, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you fulfill your purpose? And if you look Jesus in the face and says, well, I didn't know I had a purpose. Well, you're in trouble. Because I've told you that you have a purpose. 
And if you don't know what your purpose is, this book, I, I wrote it for you to help you discover your purpose, and you can help your kids with that too in discovering their purpose. So I'd like you to turn your Bibles to uh, come back to our, our passage in Mark, and we're going to begin there and talk about fruitfulness. It's Mark chapter 11. We, we, back in um, Easter, uh, or it was, good, it was uh, Palm Sunday, we came up to verse number... Uh, verse number uh, 10, and we're going to pick up the story in verse number 11. So this is Palm Sunday. It's April, uh, 30 AD. We, we, we believe it's th- around 30 AD. Jesus is now preparing to die. Next Friday, he's going to die. It, now remember, Jesus is human. And all, all the emotions that you or I would have if I was going to be executed, especially on a cross, I can't even imagine the unbearable pain that we would suffer, if I were going to be executed in five days, I would be overwhelmed in my emotions. So he came into, it's that same Sunday, Palm Sunday, they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, God save us, God save us. Now it's evening. And he he goes, he's got his 12 guys with him, and he goes into the temple. And uh, in verse number 11, and when he had looked around at everything, so what's he seeing? He's seen the nation of Israel that God had specially chosen in their unfruitfulness. There's a lot of show. Beautiful temple. Beautiful temple. Herod had rebuilt it. And a lot of show going on, but no fruit. And he's, he's angry. Righteous anger. But it wasn't the time. It wasn't the time. So it was, it was nighttime, and so it was already late. And so now he's not only feeling the anxiety of headed for the cross and dying for the sins of the world, experiencing all the sin of all mankind that he experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane. But now he's feeling, what's happened to this nation, Israel, that God has specially chosen and there's no fruit here? And he's angry, righteous anger. I I doubt he slept that night. He went back to Bethany it's just down the Kidron Valley over the Mount of Olives. And just on the other side of that little rise is this small city of Bethany. It's where Lazarus lived and Mary and Martha. And he was no doubt staying. He and the disciples were staying with Lazarus, his friend, during that night. And he's tossing and turning on his bed, thinking, Lord, what's happened? Why are we in such a mess? Well, the next morning, verse number 12, he comes back. It's Monday morning now. They came from Bethany and he was hungry. Hadn't had breakfast. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf. Now, here, here's what's happening here. Because it wasn't the season for figs. Jesus is hungry. He's, he's, as a human, he's feeling hungry. He's looking at the fig tree. And God the Father, he only did what the God the Father said. God the Father is speaking to him and said, Jesus, this is a perfect time for a living drama illustration. I'm going, to, I'm going to use you in a dramatic illustration of what's happening in the world at this time. So he sees the fig tree at a distance. It's got lots of leaves on it. Now, I understand that figs, if you ever raise figs, figs grow, the, the plant, the, the fruit grows before the leaves do. Usually figs grow around April, around this season right now. The figs grow, and because they need lots of sunshine initially, uh, God doesn't bring the leaves out till after, after the figs grow a bit. Then the leaves come, and they give shade to the figs, 
and they can continue growing in the shade and come to maturity, but it wasn't that time yet. But there was leaves on the tree. So if there's leaves in the tree, we know there's figs on the tree. And this is a great illustration that he has. He went to see if he could find anything on it, and he knows there's nothing. He, he knows this, but he goes, there's no fruit. And the disciples are all listening to him. And he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. So the leaves are show. Same thing as was happening in the temple of Jerusalem. It's all show, but there's no reality. There's no fruitfulness. Anything but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples were listening to this. He cursed the fig tree. The fig tree represents Israel. All through the Old Testament, the fig tree is a picture of Israel. He cursed it because it was not producing fruit. It had lots of show, but was not producing fruit. And the disciples were listening to this. Now, see what happens next. So he did this dramatic thing. And the disciples are just saying, what? what's going on around here? Now they, he walks into the, they came to Jerusalem. He went into the temple where he was last night. He already knew what was going on. He's already thinking about this. And he began to drive out those who had sold those stuff. That, they, they had these uh, marketplaces. They were exchanging money. They were selling doves and making a profit. And, and he was just really angry. And he was teaching them and saying, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? This is your purpose. This is your fruit. The nations of the world. And you've made this a sham. He was angry. Righteous anger. There's no fruit, lots of show. And uh, the, the Pharisees are they're humiliated, they're embarrassed, and they're angry, and they just want to kill Jesus. And so this is leading up to the cross. They just want to kill him. So now that day passes, Monday passes, and he goes back. Tuesday morning, we pick up in verse number 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered, to its roots. So the roots, the fig tree is Israel. The roots are the heart of Israel. And God was judging Israel because they had not been fruitful. And Peter remembered and said, Rabbi, teacher, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. You've judged the tree. It was a reality check. Israel had been judged. Now, this is a picture of you and I. Now let's come to John, pick up the story in John, chapter 15, because it's the same story. It's now Wednesday, next day. And, and Jesus is spending a day with his disciples, a quiet day. Maybe they're at Lazarus' home, and he's going to have kind of a pastor's conference that day, and there's all of John 13, 14, 15. It's all the pastor's conference teaching. It's Wednesday, next day. Chapter 15, I I am the true vine, he says. Okay, now we're going to take this illustration of fruitfulness. He's switching to the the, the picture of grapes and and wine. He says, I'm going to be the, I'm the tree. I'm the tree. And my father is the gardener. He's the vine dresser. Every branch in me, now I am, now Israel's the branch, but I am the branch too. You're a branch too. We're all branches. All believers, once you're, tied in, you're grafted in to Jesus, you're, you're a branch. So he's talking about you and he's talking about me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, 
if there's no fruitfulness in my life, if I don't accomplish what God has given me to accomplish, he, he, he removes it. He cuts those branches off. He's not pruning right now. He's just cutting off the dead branches. They're dead. That's very significant. That God is dealing with the dead branches. They have no place in the tree anymore. They're dead. And he takes away every branch that does bear fruit. Now, these are the ones that are actually doing what we are called to do, even those he prunes. Now he's talking about the, the good ones, the good branches. There's life there, but he still cuts them back. He still prunes them, that it may bear more fruit. Why? That it may, may bear more fruit. That's his purpose. Already you have been clean because of the word spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the, the vine. I'm thinking of this season that we've just been through. And, and some people in our church have become closer, more closely connected with Jesus during this time. You've been forced to. Because we haven't had the church gatherings. We've only met by Zoom or devotions or different small groups have met. But we haven't had this church gathering. So we've been on our own. We've had to have a personal relationship with our gardener. Abiding means to be at home. So if I'm abiding in, in my home, it means I, I live there. I can put my feet up on the coffee table if Susan says it's okay. I, I, it's my home. I, I live there. I dwell there. It's that word. And hopefully this season has pressed some of us into abiding more closely. Others of us are gone. I, you know, I don't know where the church is now. We have probably 1,200 people in the church. And some are just gone. They're not abiding. And they're just taken away. We've, we've lost them. It's part of this process that we've gone through. Others have become more close. Abide in me. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it has a personal relationship. Day by day, hour by hour, walking and talking with Jesus. Personal relationship. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Come down to verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, He's thrown away. Wow. If he does not abide in me, he's talking about Christians here. If he does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers, and they're gathered up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, if you, if you have that intimate connection with God, and my words abide in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me. I love you guys. I'm, this is a hard message, guys. He's telling his disciples, but I love you. I want the best for you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Well, why, why did Jesus, in this last couple of days before the cross, why did Jesus have this serious conversation with his disciples. Why am I having this serious conversation with you? Why? Come down to verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I, I'm, I'm telling you this, he says, because I want you to be joyful. I want you to understand what it means to have that divine presence of God inside you every day. When you're producing fruit, there's purpose, there's usefulness, and there's joy that comes as a result of it. 
Now let's come to the, just a couple of notes at the end. I, uh, I did a study this week, or last week, on apple trees particularly. I have just taken my apple tree and I have um, got rid of it. It, it, it wasn't, it, there's apples there, but they were diseased. So Pat Davies, I used to give her, every year I'd give her you know, hundreds of apples and she'd make some apple pies and then give Susan and I a couple of apple pies. And, but the apples are so diseased now, I just said, I've had enough. I gave it an extra year like Jesus did and then I cut it down. My apple tree is gone. I'm going to plant another one, but it's gone right now. I'll show you. Hey, get that picture, John, of the, <laughs> there's my cherry tree. I was mad at it too. Because it wasn't, it wasn't blossoming, so this is my cherry tree in the, in the backyard. I, I'm a good pruner. I, I love to prune. And so I prune this baby right down to the trunk. And there's new life there on my cherry tree. It's going to be a good year for my cherry tree. I didn't kill it, like my apple tree. But I, I pruned it back, and that, that's the new life on there. Um, let me just show you something else. This, this, I, I keep this in my office. This is a few years ago, the same cherry tree that we just looked at. This is a, a, a piece of a sucker. You know what a sucker is. A sucker is a, a branch on a fruit tree, my cherry tree, for example, or an apple tree, that grows, and usually they grow straight, and they have no blossoms, and they have no fruit. They suck the life out of the tree. So this sucker was growing rapidly. This one is one, two, three, four years old. Four years old. And I let it grow about 25 feet tall. It just up like this. And the whole tree was withering away. There was hardly any blossoms on the tree because I had let this sucker grow so tall. And then I cut it down. I kept this as a reminder of how things in my life can suck the life out of my spiritual relationship with God. It can literally suck the life out. And so I cut this sucker down and the tree blossomed the last few years. has blossomed pretty good, but I've had to come back again and and uh, prune it. So dealing with suckers is one thing. Don't, don't let them grow in your life. Something that distracts you from the kingdom. Don't, don't let that happen. So here's some lessons I learned. Number one, we need to make regular inspections of our apple tree. So you go to your tree, your fruit tree, whatever it is, and, and you look at the branches. Do they, if, if you snap them, do they snap off? Are they brittle? If they're brittle, they're probably, probably dead. But if they're supple and they, they bend, that, that's good. Is there a good amount of blossoms and fruit? If there's no fruit on the apple tree, then it's just, in Israel especially, if you had a fig tree and they had, the roots extended quite a ways, they were actually taking precious water into that fig tree and using up the water that could go to healthy plants and producing no fruit, just get cut it out. So is it producing fruit? So look at my life. How is the fruitfulness of my life? Number two, we need to look for diseases. In the parable of the soils, he, he referred to it as weeds. The cares of the world. The, the, the busyness of life. The, the, the lust for more money or more stuff. The disease on your plant. And so what you do is you scrape the outer layer, take the trunk, and you scrape just a light scrape of the outer layer, and inside it should be green. If it's brown, it's not healthy. So it needs to be green on the inside. So that's like scraping the outer layer, the show off my life, and looking at my heart. Because we talked about this a few weeks ago, out of the heart flows all the issues of life come from my heart. 
how's my heart doing? And I have to have regular heart inspections. And very often I find out I'm just not healthy. And I need to confess and I need to repent and come back to God again. Treat disease with appropriate care. And then we need to prune about, eat, now de deal with the, with the dead branches. And I found out this, an apple tree will only support the number of branches that it has enough water and nutrients to supply. So if you have, it has many, many branches and not enough water, it's a dry year, the apple tree will decide that certain branches he will cut off and they don't get any water, so they, they die. So you look for those branches that are not producing fruit, they're dry, and they're dead, and you snap them off. That, that's dealing with the dead branches. And, and in our church, I, I, I don't know who they are, it's God's, God's the judge, but there's people that are dead branches. And he just snaps them off. They're gone. That's one thing. A tree will sacrifice some branches if there's not sufficient water. Re then remove the suckers. Remove those things that are... are um, taking your energy, taking your spiritual strength away. I've gone through many times in my life where I was just too busy, and I remember Susan and the girls confronted me one time. I was probably a very busy season. Uh, I was president of Foursquare and traveling across Canada, and uh, three campuses we had here, and I was traveling on missions, and, and Susan came to me and says, Barry, you're getting grumpy. And the kids are saying, you're just, you're just not the same anymore. You're, you're not being nice. There's a tone in your voice. And I had to say, Lord, I'm, I am so, she was right, and I'm so sorry about this. And I had to cut things back. It just wasn't working. I've just finished a book, actually, I'll talk about this maybe next week. It's called The Balanced Life. And I'd love to offer you that book, The Balanced Life. How do, how do you have a balanced, fruitful life? So that's talking about that. Remove the suckers that take up energy and nutrients. There's a right season to prune. So here's the last verse. The last verse. Jeremiah again. I, the Lord, God speaking to you and me. I, the Lord, search the heart, the inside, the roots, and test the mind to give every man, every church, according to his or her ways, according to the fruit of his or her deeds. So my question is, what's God saying to us in this COVID, as we come out of the COVID season, what's God, as he, the gardener, looks at us and says, what was he saying to us now? God didn't cause COVID. We don't know what caused COVID. It doesn't really matter what caused COVID. COVID has been here, and it has stretched us. It has tested us. But what's God saying to us in, in this season of COVID? God is using, he uses these difficult times to teach us, to humble us, to, to reform us on the inside, to transform us on the inside of our heart. So God's doing an inspection through this time, and he's using COVID to remove some branches that are dead and to prune branches that need to be cut back. That's what God's doing in my life. I believe that God is doing that in our staff's life, in our elders' life. God is pruning us, cutting us back to look at our hearts and say, Lord, as we move into this new season, it's going to be wonderful that your joy may be full, but I've got to do some pruning back along the way. Well, let's, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray for me and pray for yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. Just think about yourself right now. Father, uh, we are all in different places, but my heart as pastor is that I would be abiding in you. I would dwell with you. I would be an intimate 
relationship with you that my branch would be green and supple and not just have a lot of leaves on it but would have fruit and blossoms that would bring glory to you and lord i want that joy i want the fullness of joy for me and for my house i pray for my my house my family my wife and children and grandchildren that me and my house would be fruitful I pray for this house, the house of God at Northside Church, that we be a fruitful church that brings glory and honor to you. It's a, it's a new day. It's a new season. And God is doing some really good things. So thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Bless us, teach us, heal us, save us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.